Welcome to the Hypochondriac's Almanac Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got this very special October Halloween episode coming right at ya. But before we get started, we need to talk about a few little disclaimers that we do every single time before each episode. First and foremost, we're not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals of any kind. So please don't take what we say on the show as medical advice. We're not here to fix you, treat you, take care of any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, go see a doctor. Okay, that being said, I found this pretty cool article to start it out on livescience.com. It's called, Can Health Conditions Create Real Halloween Spooks? The article is by Mark Leonia. The zombies, vampires, and other fiends that will come knocking on your door this Halloween are merely the stuff of Hollywood B-movies and old world superstitions, right? Perhaps not. Some researchers are now saying there is scientific evidence linking Halloween spooks to rare but real medical conditions. From witches to werewolves, here is an explanation of how medical researchers may have discovered the scientific roots that underlie some of your favorite ogres. Witches! In order to join your local coven of witches, some say you first must enter into a pact with Satan or some other nonsense. A few researchers have speculated that a more likely explanation for supernatural behavior is the consumption of rye bread that's spoiled by hallucinogenic fungus. The fungus thrives during extended periods of cold, wet weather. This particular fungus is called ergot and it contains some potential chemical compounds, including a precursor to LSD. People who eat bread made from ergot-contained rye could develop hallucinations, muscle spasms, convulsions, crawling sensations on their skin, and other delusions. All of these reportedly were noted among the people accused of witchcraft during the Salem Witch Trials, which occurred in Massachusetts during the cool, rainy years of early 1690s. Wow. Although some researchers have questioned the purported link between ergot poisoning and accusations of witchcraft, others maintain that a person in the 1600s who was hallucinating and convulsing for no apparent reason could easily have been accused of being in league with the devil. Vampires. Okay, so Count Dracula wasn't evil. He simply had a bad case of porphyria, according to some medical sleuths. The porphyrias are a group of rare diseases that can be genetic or acquired. They're caused by a malfunction in the production of hemoglobin, the component in blood that carries oxygen to the cells. This can make the skin appear very pale, often almost white. The rarest and most horrific form of porphyrias, according to doctors, is congenial erythropedic porphyria. Beginning in early childhood, this particular disease manifests itself in extreme sensitivity to light, sun. On exposure to light, the skin blisters and with an infection can become so severely scarred as to leave the individual quite disfigured. Porphyria can also cause receding gums, giving the teeth a fang-like appearance. Treatments include blood transfusions, and according to Scientific American, in principle, it's possible to relieve the symptoms of porphyria by drinking blood, another possible link with the vampire stories. Britain's Prince Charles has acknowledged that he is a distant relation of Vlad the Impaler, the notorious Romanian warlord who inspired the legend of the vampire Dracula. 
and the genetic form of porphyria is widely believed to run through the British royal family, King George III and Mary, Queen of Scots, may have had this condition as well. Some historians have suggested that if Vlad also had porphyria, this could be further proof that the disease helped to create the folklore of vampires. Werewolves! The snarling, hairy man-beast that lurks beneath the light of a full moon is an ancient myth with roots in early European paganism. The perseverance of the werewolf myth, however, may be due to a disease known as hypertrichosis, also called wolfitis. Hypertrichosis causes unusual growth of hair on the body and the condition, which can be congenial, present at birth, or acquired is sometimes marked by patterned hair growth or a few scattered patches of unusually dense hair. But in rare cases of terminal hypertrichosis, the growth of darkly pigmented dense hair all over the body is accompanied by gingival hyperplasia, an overgrowth of the gum tissue that results in narrow, longer looking teeth. It's no surprise that this condition is sometimes referred to as werewolf syndrome. Zombies. Most people scoff at the idea that zombies are real, but a number of respected medical experts and academic journalists have presented evidence that zombies do, in fact, exist. In Haiti, where the religion known as voodoo is routinely practiced, priests create a white powdery concoction with ingredients that allegedly can turn a person into a zombie. In the 1980s, doctors discovered what they called zombie powder, and it contained pterodoxin, a potent neurotoxin derived from the puffer fish. Even a tiny amount of this toxin can cause a person to lose consciousness and appear dead. Following burial, the victim can be exhumed and reappear among the living as one of the walking dead. After doctors published the research for this, additional zombie case studies came to light and were described in the British medical journal, The Lancet. The authors of The Lancet report concluded that after exposure, it is not implausible for a retrieved person to be alive. Mummies. There's little doubt that mummies are real. The artfully preserved remains of people and animals have been discovered from the pyramids of Egypt to the Andes Mountains of Argentina. What's less well known, though, is the wealth of medical information these mummies are yielding to contemporary scientists. Mummies may have been found to harbor anthersclerosis, a form of heart disease where calcium deposits narrow the arteries. This discovery challenges the conventional wisdom that clogged arteries are caused primarily by a modern diet loaded with sugar and fats. Other researchers have discovered that Egyptian mummies were exposed to high levels of particular air pollution, likely caused by mining, cooking, and metalworking. These discoveries are shedding light on how the lives and health conditions of people in the ancient world are similar to and different from people's lives today. Interesting stuff. So you think that's scary? Let's talk about 13 of the scariest health hazards of Halloween. This article was written by Sandy Lamont. Americans go batty for Halloween. We're not afraid to dig deep to have a howling good time. We're planning on spending $9 billion on the holiday, according to the National Retail Federation's annual survey. Dressing up as spooks and monsters will gobble up $3.2 billion in temporary apparel without even a blood-curdling scream. 
Ghoulish decorations slurp up another 2.7 billion, while candy drains about 2.6 billion from our veins' lives. What's truly petrifying, the very items we purchase to have a frightfully fun holiday can help maim or even kill us and our loved ones if caution is not used. The statistics are shocking. Children are twice as likely to die on Halloween than any other day of the year as they trick-or-treat along the streets. That's according to a 2012 study from State Farm of more than 4 million fatalities between 1990 and 2010. An older study by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention was even scarier. Children were four times more likely to die on Halloween while walking. More than a quarter of the deaths occurred between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m., with 70% happening in the middle of the block, away from a crosswalk or intersection. Parents should make sure their child's costume sports reflective tape, and kids should carry a flashlight or a glow stick. Children should not trick-or-treat alone, but in groups with parental supervision. Even then, parents need to be on guard. Excited children can easily sprint ahead and forget to look both ways. These fatalities are not just among little kids either. Most of the pedestrian deaths occurred between ages 12 and 15, followed by ages 5 to 8. Young people should be cautioned about the distractions of cell phone use and follow other safety guidelines, including the use of flashlights. Killer buzz. So who is responsible for most of the pedestrian deaths? You guessed it drivers who drank or partied too much. And you don't have to feel drunk or stoned to be impaired. As the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says, buzzed driving is drunk driving. Statistics show that during a four-year period, 14% of all pedestrian deaths on Halloween involved drunk drivers. Overall, the agency says Halloween drunk driving fatalities are on the rise, with 44% of people killed in car crashes on Halloween involving a drunk driver. Sadly, young adult drivers aged 15 to 25 were responsible for the majority of pedestrian deaths of children. Safety experts suggest keeping young, inexperienced drivers off the road on Halloween. And of course, be alert for signs of alcohol abuse. Demon allergies. One in 13 children under the age of 18 in the U.S. has food allergies. Chances are high that one of these kids will visit your home for a treat. Milk, eggs, peanuts, soy, wheat, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish are responsible for 90% of allergic reactions. Some of these reactions can be deadly. Many candies are off limits for children either because they contain one of the top allergens or because the dangers of cross-contamination. To meet the needs of all your trick-or-treaters, you can join the Teal Pumpkin Project, which suggests having non-food treats on hand like glow sticks, bubbles, stickers, or markers. Then hang a teal pumpkin outside your home so kids with allergies will know that you are allergy safe. Fire hazards. Even if you're dressed as the devil, you don't want to burn. Yet fire hazards abound on Halloween as people using sandbag candles and fiery jack-o'-lanterns to decorate their homes and walkways. By law, all costumes, wigs, masks, and other accessories sold in the U.S. are required to be made of flame-resistant materials. You'll know this if they're labeled flame-resistant. That won't stop them from burning, though, says the Consumer Product Safety Commission, but they will be easier to extinguish once removed from the fire source. If you make your costume, be sure to use flame-resistant cloth as well. 
Nylon and polyester are good choices. If you use more flammable materials like cotton, add a fire-resistant spray to the costume in all of its bits and pieces. If your child is wearing a costume, the best bet is to keep them away from naked flames. Revenge of the Jack-O-Lantern. Pumpkin carving takes the lead each year over other Halloween injuries, according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Out of an estimated 4,500 Halloween-related injuries reported during October and November, 41% were related to pumpkin carving. Safety experts suggest that putting the sharp kitchen knives aside and using only a small pumpkin carving tool that comes in a kit could minimize injuries. Trick or trip. Tripping or falling won second place for most common Halloween injuries, says the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Getting tangled in the long legs of ill-fitting costumes is a key reason. Costume masks can also be part of the problem. Many gruesome monster heads are ill-fitting with poorly cut eye holes that limit vision. Ghostly sheets can both obstruct eyesight and become tripping hazards. Be sure that whatever you wear or put on your kids will allow full range of eyesight and has been altered to prevent tripping before you head out the door. Experts also suggest using face paint instead of masks for better vision. Never ride your bike or skateboard wearing a costume. Falling down on the job. In addition to tripping, falling off a ladder or other heights ties for second most common injury during Halloween. Most of these occur while putting up or taking down Halloween decorations, most likely because of poor ladder safety skills. The Consumer Product Safety Commission devotes an entire page to ladder safety. Here are some of the highlights. Choose a ladder with slip-resistant feet that extends at least three feet over the roof line. Place it on a firm and level ground. If it's not, buy leg levelers at the hardware store. Make sure the ladder can support your weight and have a helper hold it at the bottom. And don't use a metal ladder near any power lines or electrical equipment. Pokes in the eye. What's a pirate without a sword? Luke Skywalker without his lightsaber or Harry Potter without his wand? Your child and the child in you will likely push back if you try to limit accessorizing that special Halloween outfit, but be aware of the dangers. Just like sticks, pointed props like swords, spears, and wands can poke out the eyes of excited children if they gather too close. Considering the falls account for nearly a third of all Halloween-related injuries, that pointy object could just as easily end up in your child's eye or someone else's. Safety experts suggest you purchase a softer, more flexible version of a Halloween prop for a safe but stylish Halloween. Out of this world eyes. Your outfit demands a creature of the underworld eyes to make it suitably eerie. And you found some cheap costume contacts online that would work perfectly. Before you pop those into your eyes, beware they could contain chlorine, iron, and other harmful chemicals. Many of the decorative contacts sold online and in gas stations and beauty parlors are not approved by the Food and Drug Administration. They could easily contain harmful colorants used to create tints and patterns on the surface of the lens. A study in Japan where decorative contacts were popular found those chemicals could remain even after rinsing with water. The lens making process can also leave uneven scratchy surfaces that might not be visible but could scratch your cornea. Germs could then enter and infect the eye, creating scarring that could damage vision and cause blindness. To drive home the dangers, the American Academy of Ophthalmology shares the story of Julian Hamlin, who at 17 ruined his eyes with a $20 over-the-counter contact. 
Ten surgeries later, he's still blind in one eye and continues to suffer from eye infections and glaucoma in the other. Beware of face paint. Don't turn that clown smile upside down. Check how your skin will react to face paint before you slather your face in it. Applying a small bit on your arm a day or two before could save a lot of scratching, swelling, redness, and embarrassment if you end up being allergic. The FDA does approve color additives in face paint and theatrical makeup and creates rules about where they should be applied on the body. A color that's okay for your hair or nails might not be good for the skin. To be sure if a Halloween makeup is safe, check the summary of color additives. If the color on the label of the product isn't on the FDA approved list, the company that made it is not obeying the law and you should not use it. There goes the dental work. As the American Dental Association says, be picky if it's sticky. Caramels, taffy, gummies, and other chewy candies stick to the teeth longer, contributing to cavities. But they're also notorious for pulling out fillings and crowns. Sticky gummy candy embraces, what a tangled web you'll weave with that. On the opposite end, hard candies can also be bad for the teeth. They can last longer in the mouth, contributing to decay, and you can break a tooth if you chomp down too hard. Hard candies can also damage the brackets and other appliances that hold braces together. What do dentists recommend? Chocolate is good because it's soft and leaves the mouth rather quickly, but be sure to brush and floss regardless. Another tip, eat Halloween candy just after meals. Saliva production increases during meals and helps rinse away food particles and bacteria. Careful with candy. Nine out of 10 Americans believe chocolate and candy make Halloween more fun. And since Americans are expected to dish out $2.6 billion in candy annually, we can certainly plan to have a lot of fun. Of course, this means a lot of extra calories. Even fun-sized candies, which have become the standard Halloween giveaway, contain a deceptively high calorie count. Take fun-sized M&Ms. A bag of originals contains 73 calories. Add peanuts and it's 90. There are 80 calories each in a Twix, Almond Joy, Milky Way, and Snickers. Butterfinger and Baby Ruth have 85. Fun-sized Skittles have 60. And that favorite nibble candy corn is seven calories each. But who eats just one? So if one candy splurge consisted of one of each of the candies above, plus about 30 candy corns, you'd have taken in 923 calories. To burn off that really fun time, you'll have to do about three hours of walking, biking, dancing, or golf, or about 4.5 hours of lightweight training. Uh, no thanks. A deadly snack for Fido or Fluffy. Halloween candy can be deadly for dogs and cats. No candy is healthy, but anything that's sugar-free or contains raisins or chocolate can quickly cause seizures or organ failure. Pets are 32% more likely to experience food poisoning during Halloween week, say experts. It can be all too easy for your pet to sneak a snack while your children inspect their haul. So be sure to put your furry friend in another room before bringing out the sweet stuff. If pets do get a hold of raisins, sugar-free candy, or chocolate, call your vet immediately. If poisoned, your pet might need his or her stomach pumped. Pet costumes are also a growing trend, but only if they aren't too restrictive, especially around the throat, say vets. Beware of loose costumes that bits can be chewed off and swallowed. Those along with lollipop sticks, glow sticks and foil, or cellophane wrappers can create digestive blockages you may not notice for days. As with food poisoning cases, more severe or complicated occurrences can cost a lot of money. So watch your pedos. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this very special Halloween edition 
of Hypochondriac's Almanac. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot us an email. We're at hypoalma at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram page. We're at podcast.addict. And please join us again next week when we talk about more weird, wacky, and wild diseases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Keep it real. And always live your very best life. Bye.